Hello and welcome to episode number 66 of the Draft Atlas, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we wrap up our NFC North draft reviews with the Packers and Vikings, two teams that fell quite short of high expectations last season, and we'll be looking to bounce back this year in 2019. Yeah, the Vikings spent all that money on Kirk Cousins a year ago, really failed to live up to expectations. You got to wonder if they can pull it back together. And the uh, Green Bay Packers best pull it back together real soon as Aaron Rodgers is absolutely in the twilight of his career. Absolutely. And the Packers look to help out Rodgers with two first round picks this year. They actually drafted two defensive players, so they didn't directly help Rodgers offensively, at least. The latter pick that they had, they had 12 and 30. The latter one came from New Orleans in last year's Marcus Davenport trade. The Packers ended up grabbing Michigan edge rusher Rashawn Gary at number 12. And then they moved up from number 30 to number 21 to take Maryland safety Darnell Savage. Now, Gary was a guy who's very highly rated on our board. Much has been made of his impressive physical traits and also his general lack of production at Michigan, where Patriots third round pick Chase Winovich was the better and more productive player. Now, there's also the matter of where he fits in Green Bay's 3-4 defense and whether they needed more pass rushers after adding both Preston and Zadarius Smith in the offseason. Savage, first safety off the board in this year's draft, a good fit opposite Adrian Amos, but maybe not the best value, especially in a trade-up situation. But he is a good athlete. He has versatility to play both cornerback and free safety. He's quick up the field and good against the run. So it's not as much a knock on him as it is on what Green Bay did to get him. What do you think of these picks, Tony? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Rashawn Gary, where they selected him overall, is good value on our board. Like you said, I mean, there were questions about why he didn't produce as much. He had the shoulder issue last year. He still has a shoulder issue. I think one questionable move was Rashawn Gary decided not to hire an agent, decided to start his own agency. If Rashawn Gary had hired a quality agent, that agent probably would have saw that his uh, shoulder issue was taken care of after the combine. Now Gary's got to go through the season with the shoulder issue and have it fixed up once the season is over. So, you know, I don't know what they're getting. I happen to be very high on Rashawn Gary. I said coming into the season, I thought he was a top 10 pick. They had to be redundant. Like I said, Green Bay got good value where they selected him. We got to see. I mean, his best football should be ahead of him. I think he could eventually be a very good uh, 3-4 defensive end. With that shoulder issue, we're just going to see how much lifting he could do, how much he can physically mature. It was an interesting pick. I thought there were other ways they could have gone. I think when Jonah Williams was selected one selection before they were called to the clock, that took one of their options off the board. If they hit on Gary, they got themselves an outstanding three-down defensive lineman. It just may take a while. With Darnell Savage, I agree with you there. I thought Savage was taken a little bit early with what they did, not only in signing uh, the pass rushers, Darius Smith and Preston Smith on the defensive line. They gave Adrian Amos a, a very significant contract. Then they move up to take Darnell Savage. They still have Josh Jones, the second-round pick from 2017, although I know that he's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, I don't think that they had to trade up to get Darnell Savage. I don't know if they were afraid that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to take him. The Eagles eventually moved up and took Andre Dillard. Savage is a nice player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when he's at the top of his game, he was a very good player for Maryland, tested off the charts at the combine. I just didn't think he was worth worthy of uh, being the 22nd selection of round one. Now, the Packers had as many picks on the second day as they had first rounders. And here it's hard to question that they did do a nice job selecting Mississippi State center Elton Jenkins in round two and Texas A&M tight end Jay Sternberger in round three. 
Now, Jenkins can play any of the three interior positions along the offensive line. He's tough and strong on the inside, a dominant run blocker, and he does actually have some extra growth potential in his frame as well to make him potentially even stronger. Now, Sternberger was a surprise breakout this season. His testing was a bit underwhelming in Indy, but he plays faster on the field than he did in his testing numbers, runs nice routes, shows good technique as a receiver. His blocking is only so-so, and he lacks seam-ripping speed Four seven five forty at the combine, and he does play to that speed. But he can be a nice replacement for Jimmy Graham whenever the Packers decide to move on from the veteran tight end. Yeah, as many questions as I had about their picks in round one, I love their second-day picks. Elton Jenkins, I think, is going to be a great fit for them. I had mentioned right after they selected him, I was hearing at the Senior Bowl that the Packers, at that point in time, at the end of January, were considering Jenkins late in round one with that second selection that they had. They didn't have to uh, take him there. They waited till the middle of round two. He fell into their laps. He can play center. He can play guard. He's got a good amount of upside. Did have some difficulties against Quinton Williams when he faced off against the third pick of the draft during the 2018 season, but he's got a good upside. He's a nasty player. He's strong. I think he's a guy who's going to see a lot of action and could eventually break into the starting lineup as a rookie. Like Jay Sternberger for that system. Basically a guy who's got excellent size. You can use him on the line of scrimmage. You can use him as a move tight end. He plays faster than his 40 time. He catches the ball very well. Does a solid job as a blocker, although he wasn't asked to do it all that much at Texas A&M. He's got a high upside, but just someone who's got to get accustomed to staying in one place and playing in one place because if you know Sternberger, I mean, he bounced around throughout his college career. Both of these selections I thought were outstanding for the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Packers had four third-day picks on tap. None of them came in round four, but they did draft Texas A&M defensive tackle Kingsley Kiki in the fifth round. Kingsley KK, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, whichever. Toledo cornerback Kadar Holman and Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams were their picks in the sixth. And TCU linebacker Ty Summers was the pick in round seven. Now, KK is more of a three-technique tackle, but could see rotational snaps as a five-technique end in Green Bay's offense. In the end, he's a gap-shooting interior lineman who was good value at this point in the fifth round, but is kind of a questionable fit in the defense. Holman's an athletic flyer with good size, might end up being destined for the practice squad, but a guy worth developing with his traits. Dexter Williams is probably one of the better backs to come out of Notre Dame the past few seasons. They constantly produce running backs who put up big numbers, but a lot of that is that offensive line there. The line was a bit down this season, and Williams still had a good year. He's a good athlete, solid burst, but he lacks great receiving skills and likely maxes out as just a rotational back at the NFL level. Summers is another athletic flyer like Holman before. He's strong. He's fast. He's explosive. He has good size, but he wasn't the most productive player at TCU. So he's going to need to quickly take those traits and translate them to the field to have any sort of NFL future. Tony, what do you think of this third day haul? I like uh, Kingsley KK in round five. I think he'll be a good fit in their three-man line. He's explosive. He's relatively athletic. He plays bigger than his listed size, uses his hands well, plays with leverage. Just a matter of him physically maturing and getting used to two-gapping in that system. Kadar Holman, he's an athletic guy with a high upside, just needs a lot more consistency at the cornerback position. It's just a matter of them developing uh, Holman. He's probably a guy who can maybe be a dimeback special teams player. Dexter Williams is worth a flyer in the sixth round. I always had him as a six-round choice. He was not a guy that really, nothing in his game really stood out to me. Uh, there were some people saying he's the second-day choice. I never bought into it. I had him as a six-rounder. He's a downhill runner who's got limited versatility. Ty Summers, I like Ty Summers as far as his athleticism, as far as his ability, as far as his potential, but I would have liked him better in a 4-3. Still, if you're going to put him on the inside 
of a 3-4 type system and let him run to the ball, he may be able to flourish in that sort of system. He's fast. He's athletic. As you said, I mean, needs to really transition more into football production. I don't want to say he's more athlete than he is football player because he is a pretty good football player. Just doesn't put up the stats. But I think that was an outstanding pick in round seven. Now, an 11-player free agent class for Green Bay. Nothing stands out in particular to me, at least. Joshua Neiman started for three years at tackle for Virginia Tech, has great height at 6'7", flashed upside at times as a power blocker, has some agility to him as well, but still a practice squad prospect who needs work on the finer points of his game. Outside of him, Tony, is there anyone you like in this class? I mean, Matt Eaton, as a guy who maybe could make it as a fifth receiver, although that's a long shot, also return specialist. But really, Nijman of Virginia Tech is the only guy that I see uh, really lasting deep into the summer. And if he doesn't make an active roster, he absolutely will be destined for the practice squad. Now, much of Green Bay's draft, at least to me, seems like some strange fits, which makes me think they may be more multiple on defense this season if they are taking so many players who may not totally fit their system. But overall, Tony, what's your take on this draft? Yeah, I would agree. I think especially with those first two guys, you have to see how they do on the field. I can't complain about the player, Rashawn Gary, except for the fact he's got the shoulder issue. I love his upside. We'll have to see with Darnell Savage. Love their second day picks. I think overall it was a solid job. I think they, in day two, they filled needs with really good players. I think in day one, especially uh, with Rashawn Gary, they got really good players. We'll see how it fits a need. I think the last day of the draft, you got a player in Kingsley KK as well as Ty Summers that can make an active roster and contribute to situational players and special teams players. Overall, I thought it was a solid job. I don't know that they're going to get the impact out of round one that I would usually like to see a team that's got two first rounders. We'll have to wait and see. Now we'll trek west to the land of 10,000 lakes in just a moment here. But before we do, please support the draft analysts by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show. Now, Minnesota was after offensive line help in this year's draft. They selected North Carolina State center Garrett Bradbury with the 18th overall pick. Now, Bradbury is an ideal center in many ways. He's tough. He's smart enough to quarterback the line, make the calls. He moves well laterally into the second level. He may not be a dominant run blocker, but he wins with technique, angles, positioning. Should, in essence, too, improve two spots on the offensive line. Not only is he going to be an upgrade on Pat Elfline at center, but he's also going to shift Elfline over at guard, where he might be a better fit to upgrade that position as well. Yeah, there was talk that they were going to look at Andre Dillard to eventually replace Riley Reef, who's going to be 30-some-odd years old this year, but you can't complain about Bradbury. I mean, he was far and away the best center in this year's draft. I liken him to a Nick Mangle type of offensive lineman, a guy who's smart, a guy who's tough. He's quick. He's explosive. Very good on the second level. Very good blocking emotion. A guy who's just got to get a little bit stronger and improve his uh, run blocking strength and his ability to finish blocks. But overall, you know, you've got to be very happy with this selection if you're the Minnesota Vikings. And like you said, it basically improves two positions on the offensive line and gives Kirk Cousins a little more protection. Now, with Kyle Rudolph entering the final year of his contract, Minnesota drafted his eventual and possible immediate replacement at pick 50 in Alabama's Irv Smith. Then they selected Boise State running back Alexander Madison in the third round and Oklahoma guard Drew Samia in the fourth Now, Smith didn't really test well at the combine outside of the 40-yard dash, but he's a seam stretcher with good ball skills, 
good reactions to the ball coming into him and should be effective as a move tight end or flexed into the slot. The question is when he's going to play, whether the Vikings decide to move on from Rudolph after extension talks broke off recently or whether they decide to keep Rudolph on the roster. Now, Madison is a bigger back with great patience, great vision, really nice bursts through the hole, can create yards after contact with his size. But he ran a 4.67 at the combine, and he plays to that speed on tape, really lacks the ability to turn the corner. He is a decent pass catcher, though, who's functional in the receiving game, so he should be able to replace Latavius Murray well as Dalvin Cook's somewhat often used backup. Sami is a power-blocking guard, but he struggles outside of a phone booth and really regressed a little bit in 2018, so it'd be nice to see him get back on track to show that he was worth the pick here. What are your thoughts on him, Tony? Yeah, I thought Irv Smith was terrific value late in round two. He's a, he's basically a possession receiver in a tight end's body, runs well, catches the ball well, fundamentally sound, gets down the seam, nicely adjusts to the errant throw, has to improve his blocking. That's not his forte, but hopefully that will come in time. Madison, I thought, was selected a little bit early. I had him as a last-day selection. I mean, he basically has a similar playing style to Dalvin Cook, although he's significantly less talented, more of an interior ball carrier, a guy who will move the chains on third down, solid pass catcher, nothing great out of the backfield. Drew Samaya, depends on which Drew Samaya we're talking about. If we're talking about the Drew Samaya off of 2018 and the senior ball, he's a six-round pick. If you go back to the Drew Samaya of 2017, a guy who had a dominant season, he looked more like a third-round choice. So, uh, you know, if you split the difference, I guess you got uh, middle of round four. Samaya's got to get his game back on track. I mean, he has a decent amount of upside. He's a tough, fundamentally sound blocker. I think he can be a good backup and maybe develop into a starter if he gets his game back to where it was at the end of the 2017 campaign. Now the Vikings had eight picks in the final three rounds. We're not going to go deep into all of them, but in the fifth round, Minnesota grabbed USC linebacker Cameron Smith. They drafted Arkansas defensive tackle Armand Watts, Wyoming safety Marcus Epps, and Elon tackle Oli Udo in the sixth round. And with their four picks in round seven, the Vikings took Texas cornerback Chris Boyd, Oregon wide receiver Dylan Mitchell, Colorado State wide receiver Olabisi Johnson, and Air Force long staffer Austin Cutting. Now, I personally like Watts a lot as a potential backup three-technique tackle. His first step is really impressive. And he has some solid pass rush moves for a guy who only started one season and was strictly a rotational guy before 2018. Mitchell's another fun pick in the seventh round here as well. The Vikings really need a third receiver behind Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. They recently declined Lacron Treadwell's fifth-year option, first-round pick from several years ago, and have a hole at that third receiver spot. Mitchell could be their guy. He separates well, shows natural receiving skills, just a smooth overall player who is always open, was a basketball star in high school as well. So he's just an overall excellent athlete who shows some good skills on the football field as well. Now, Chris Boyd is a player that many thought highly of, but he went right about where he should have late on day three, was roasted consistently at the senior bowl, but he tested as an above average athlete. He does have good size, just can't really stick with receivers and man coverage. So he's strictly a zone corner who's going to contribute in sub packages. But this is about the right value for a guy like Chris Boyd. What sticks out to you about those picks and some of the others the Vikings made, Tony? Yeah, I like Cameron Smith in round five. Early in the uh, process, I had him as a late third, early fourth rounder. He's instinctive. He's smart. He's very tough. I think he tested better than anybody expected at the combine. Really, I think a guy that will be a terrific backup at middle linebacker. Armand Watts was a guy that was all over draft boards. I think he's going to be a good three-technique type of tackle in the four-man line. He comes with a decent amount of upside, a guy who should only get better as he physically matures. Marcus Epps is really a guy who's incredibly athletic, a little bit undersized, 
but he's fast, and you're looking at him as a return specialist, special team player. Ole Yuda, again, talked about him during the Shrine game, talked about him when he was promoted up to the Senior Bowl, a guy that's got a high upside, a guy that can play tackle, a guy that can play guard, someone who may make the active roster while they develop his game at the very least. They put him on the practice squad. Chris Boyd, like you said, went where he should have gone. More of a, a guy that's got to play in zone or backed off the line of scrimmage, cannot make plays with his back to the ball, really struggles in man coverage. So you're going to have to put him in a situation where he's facing the uh, action. There are two receivers they took in round seven, Dylan Mitchell and Ole Johnson, I think are guys who are going to be slot receivers, return specialists. Dylan Mitchell, more of a kick returner. Ole Johnson, more of a punt returner. I think both of these, these guys will have the opportunity to make active rosters as number four and number five receivers. Now, like the Packers, it was kind of a nondescript free agent class for Minnesota. They signed 11 players, and notably, they gave Washington quarterback Jake Browning the largest signing bonus among UDFAs around the league. Browning, though, lacks an NFL arm, showed some scattered accuracy at times for the Huskies, but he's a heady guy with the ability to make things happen with his legs, but he's not a guy who's likely to even wind up as a backup long-term, let alone a starting quarterback. Does anything intrigue you here, Tony? They signed defensive tackle Tito Odendigbo of uh, Miami, a guy who really wasn't spoken about. But if you watch him play, I think he's a guy that they can use at their uh, sort of nose tackle position. He's got excellent size. He plays strong football. Uh, they also signed a, a cornerback, Nate Meters from UCLA, who I like. He's got great ball skills. He's just not very fast. But I think he's someone that you can use as a, a dimeback special teams player. Uh, one other guy who kind of caught my eye was the uh, Brandon Dillon, the tight end from Marion. Does a little bit of everything well. Catches the ball well. Does a good job blocking. Maybe a third tight end. I think at the very least a practice squad prospect. Now the Vikings moved around the board a lot in this draft. As a result, they ended up with 12 picks overall. They filled some holes. They did well with their first two picks, but it was kind of hit or miss after that. How would you evaluate their effort as a whole? You know, I liked it. Obviously, Bradbury and Irv Smith at the top, I think both of those guys were good value. I think they fill holes. I think they got good players at those positions. But Madison was a little bit early. I thought Samaya was a little bit early, even though I liked them. They basically had an entire draft on the last day of, of the draft with all those picks. And I think, you know, when you look at them, Smith has a chance to make an active roster. Armand Watts has a chance to make the active roster. Ole Yuda has a chance to make the active roster. Dylan Mitchell and Ole Johnson have a chance to make the active roster. So if you're talking about you know five potential active roster players from the last day of the draft, that's pretty good. So I think overall the Vikings did a real nice job. And that's all for the 66th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show... Please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week with both the AFC and NFC South. But in the meantime, you can head over to draftanalyst.com for all the latest info on the players your favorite team drafted and signed afterwards. And listen to our first seven divisional recap shows as well. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon.